Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, Quality Living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard on 88.9 FM WQCS. We're also available via the Public Radio Exchange, and uh, we are also available via Apple iTunes Podcasts. And uh, we are National Public Radio of the Treasure Coast, so syndicated here and there. And as you know, we have a new guest every week for you, and we thank you so much for just supporting us. And... Um, you know, I had the amazing pleasure of hanging out. I can say hanging out because at first it was I attended a, a really important event um, here in, in South Florida, and the speaker was Jim Cantori. And I had to attend because he's just such an amazing individual. He does so much for the environment, for our awareness, brings us together, makes us feel safe at some of our most perilous times um, when Mother Nature just really feels like she needs to act out. And uh, he just he just braves it for us and and, and uh, gives us a, a place of uh, awareness and so so I wanted to talk about the healing benefits of what he does and I spoke to him about it and he agreed to join us on the show and he's on the phone with us. Thank you so much today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, usually the the word is that uh, people don't want to see me around. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I, I scare them. I don't heal them. I scare them to death. So, so no. usually, it goes the other way. Well, that's the power. That's that's the immense power that you've had over what thirty years of doing this, right? You you yeah. show up and automatically people think, oh, something is happening because <laughs> if this guy's here, he's about to brave some crazy uh, storm, and we better get out of here. Uh, which makes you the brave one and them the cowards. No, <laughs> no. Well, man, it's uh, it's it's what I do, but you know, it's kind of interesting because if, if that's, I mean, it kind of gets people thinking about it, right? Yeah, no, I that's mean, it, yeah. Even if I don't inevitably wind up at the first place, the worst place, right? It gets them thinking about it, and, and certainly, hopefully, reacting exactly. uh, the way that uh, officials would like them to. No, if we as a public are going to have fear, it's a healthy fear to to have a, a you know awareness yeah. of Mother Nature for sure. Um, and, and that's, you know, like I said, there's, those are the things that really came to mind when, when I heard you speak and I learned of, of, uh, all of the things you're an advocate for and, uh, the way people perceive your work and have continued to perceive your work, you know, after 30 years or more of doing this, you know, it's, you bring awareness, you bring a togetherness, you bring a calmness and a safety. And that calmness is because you're there for us on our behalf, facing these, uh, you know, situations and showing us that, under the right circumstances, we can survive, we can surmount these challenges. And mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot I want to talk to you about today. I mean, we're limited on time. But, you know, I just want to start off with a little history, of course, a little background of what brought you into this work. You know, what's, where's your passion as a meteorologist, obviously, you know, there, there's got to be a calling there. 
that happened 30 years ago. Yeah, and it's really my dad. You know, he recognized it, the the love I had for weather and always talking about it and waiting for the first snowflakes and you know, just always being outside when Mother Nature was putting on a little temper tantrum. So, you know, he, he asked me what I was going to do for the rest of my life, and, you know, he pretty much suggested that I go study the weather. Mm. He goes, look, he goes, you know, you got to get up for the next 50 years of your life every morning to go to work. You better love what you do. And he goes, you love the weather. Mm. So go study it. Go, go study the weather. Hats off to dad. So, <laughs> I did, yeah. And I remember him telling me those very words. I remember where I was sitting in the dining room, and he was standing and came walking in from the, uh, from the foyer. I mean, it was just one of those moments you never forgot, you know, with, with your dad. So, um God bless the big ragu, as I affectionately call him, <laughs> for uh, for pointing me in the right direction. Yes, God bless. Now, obviously, he saw your excitement, he saw your interest, but were you always as animated when you first started out as a meteorologist? Because that's one of the things you're known for is, is bringing animation to the job without without, you know, without exposing your breasts as they do in Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. No, we we, we try to keep those uh, under wraps, but um, what? What it is is, I mean, you know, think about it, man. It's like, it's like my seventh game of the World Series. It's it's my Super Bowl. It's my, you know, seventh game in a, in, a, in an NHL or basketball playoffs. You, it's all or nothing. So you're excited. The the energy's up. The adrenaline is pumping, and you're watching this game go down to the wire. I mean, that that's what it is. It's it's when you get into a hurricane or a blizzard um, or even a tornado outbreak. You know, the excitement is not necessarily for the, you know, hey, I want this to happen, but it's, it's just for what's going on. It's like, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe Mother Nature's outdoing herself. You know, this is worse than the last one, or, or this reminds me of a certain storm that I dealt with in the past. So you're just kind of play by playing it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to the audience out there in, in the way that you're feeling it. I mean, kind of what you see is what you get with me. Um, you know, if, it, if it's not a good storm in terms of if it's going to be a dud, it's almost like, Hey Jim, you know what? Tell these people that they don't have to, uh, you know, ruin their whole vacation. They're going to be able to come back for the weekend at the outer banks and, and, and enjoy their time or the treasure coast, wherever, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be, it's going to come and just give a quick glancing blow and then head on out. So, you know, it's my job to say, Hey, look, you know what? If it's going to be that bad. I'm going to tell you that. Um, but if it's not going to be that bad, that's my job too. I'll tell you, it's not going to be that bad. And you do all this on the platform of the Weather Channel as well as a few other shows. Tell us about that as well. Cause that's well, I mean, on the Weather Channel, my show is AMHQ. Mm-hmm. That's my main responsibility in the morning. That's, uh, you know, myself, Stephanie Abrams, Jen Carfagno. We are the main hosts of that uh, Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. Right. And so, you know, the hardest, the hardest part about that is, well, you know, let's say we got a tornado outbreak. We just finished the show. Hey, Jim, we need you to go out in the planes to cover this tornado outbreak. So I get out there in the planes. You know, we, we do a few live shots for the evening shows for Weather Underground. And then we get up the next morning to do the show that we're scheduled to do. And then we get on a plane, come back home, and go on the air the next morning. Wow. So it, it, it can be rather exhausting. So it, it really does take the adrenaline um, of the storms and, and the weather event to kind of to kind of push me through it, if you will. So in more ways than one, you're a rock star of weather, basically. <laughs> I don't know about that. Dude. I'm, I'm, I don't take myself too serious. I, I mean, I'm, I, 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 
you and, and other guys out there. I just, you know, I just happen to be blessed with loving my craft and right. wanting people to learn about it and getting excited when I get to teach them about it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when I'm comfortable in something to tell you about it, uh, a forecast and whatnot, I get a little bit more excited because mm. it's like, oh, I figured this out or I think I figured it out and I want to share it with everybody. So that, that's kind of how I, I go about it, whether it's in the field or even on camera with a, with a shirt and tie. Right. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of talk lately and for the last few decades, you know, and we're, we're reaching sort of a, a heated uh, point on climate and change. And you've covered every major weather event for the past 30 years, including Hurricanes Katrina, Irene, Superstorm Sandy, you know, I mean, the list goes on. Have you, you know, in your travels seen changes where there's maybe more frequency, uh, maybe more intensity uh, that just seems to escalate, has been escalating? You know, um, the climate's been around a long time. Um, but, you know, if you just look, there are different periods of climate. You know, I, first, let me just first of all tell you, as a meteorologist, we deal with 10 seconds to 10 days comfortably, okay? Uh, the farther out you go, the, the better chance in error there is, especially if the data is not digested perfectly. Uh, you know, climate periods can be months, years, decades, centuries, things like that. And that's not my specialty. Mm. So for me to look at climate, I have to kind of go back and learn it myself and read and things like that. But I, I certainly uh, have seen what many have over the last 30 years uh, in terms of warming temperatures. And some of this can be attributed to the fact that we've increased the size of our cities. So you put asphalt where there were trees. So you're going to get a degree of increase there. But I, I, you know, I think there has been a little tick up in the climate temperature. No, and and when you warm up the air, you can hold more water molecules. And so, you know, if anything, for me personally, to just not even look at science, it certainly when I'm out there feels like it's raining a heck of a lot harder than it used to. And so that kind of makes sense with a, with a little bit of a warmer planet. You know, if oceans are holding more heat, which some of the data suggests that they are. Uh, you know, you're supplying more heat to that warmer atmosphere. So, so the whole thing's kind of feeding back on itself. Um, is this tied to the sun or are humans doing it? Are both responsible? You see, I don't have the confidence in answering that question that I do in telling you if it's going to rain or snow or be sunny tomorrow. Right. Does that make sense? It does make right, sense. Because I, I, I just don't know that we know all of that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's obviously two camps. Um, both of them have very, very strong opinions. Yeah. On, and, on yeah and, and, and I definitely, you know, I, I don't want to put well, you on the spot to speak to the origins or the, the you know, what's I was just wondering in, in all reality, just, of, just you observing and you, and you did answer that question. You said there has been an uptick of, of temperature and, you know, I just, just kind of yeah, wondering I, if you've seen has. changes. And, yeah. I, and I definitely, you know, some of these rainfall amounts, some of these rainfall rates yeah. are excessive. And I'm not saying that's never happened before. Right. But it, I'm just looking at 30 years here. Right, yeah. And having done it and been out there, um, that's what I take away. And that's what that's what I feel comfortable in, in talking about. Gotcha. Uh, as to exactly why that is. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is it some human, some sun? Right. Sure. 
Uh, I'll buy it. As to the ratio of which, can it be turned around? I, I don't know. Right. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the earth as a whole and humans and their role as being good stewards, mm. I, I really want the discussion to start there. Yes, yes. Uh, see, when, you, when, when people tell me there is four times the size of France plastic in the Pacific Ocean or mm. in the oceans in general, I'm just like, hey, we got some big problems out there. We yeah, got to deal there's with. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you can't, you can't it, close an eye to that. Yeah. Right, right. Aging, aging infrastructure uh, with our levees and things like that because they're not dealing with some of these rainfall amounts uh, that we're having. You know, we, we need to look at things like that. You know, mm-hmm. pollution, clean air, alternative energy. These are all things that everybody can agree on. You know, I, th- th- that we should let's, let's start there. And, and also, on, along the way, continue to research and figure out what type of role is the sun playing. You know, let's, let's, let's figure out that atmosphere-ocean couplet, how it works. We're learning how it works. We've certainly made headway there. And, and you know, get a better idea, certainly, of the role of humans and, and CO2 in, the, in this whole system. Right. CO2, all, so, all sorts of pollution, every, everything, <laughs> every way. Yeah, I just affect. don't think it's one straight answer. It's all connected. Yes. No, absolutely. I, I think, you know, when we look back, even when I was a, a child, and just our role as humans, not even realizing that we were um, not supposed to throw man-made materials outside of our cars while driving <laughs> or leave them at a park yeah. after, uh, you know, after uh, a park or beach after a picnic, like that just awareness you know, if you think about that's just a few decades ago. Um, so you know, you we can what? only you, do you better. Probably, you probably remember this commercial, too. I know I do. It, it always stuck with me as a kid. And it was an Indian standing in the mm. median. Mm. And somebody threw their garbage out. And, it, you know, it hit him in the, it hit him in the foot and mm. rolled across his feet. And he looked up, uh, and it was a tear in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. You know, and it... And that always meant something to me, uh, that commercial. And, and to think we still pollute like that today is yeah. beyond my, I, I just can't believe that. Yeah. So, so start before you try and figure out what's going on with the earth atmosphere system. I mean, everybody needs to respect the planet. That's it. I love it. Okay. And that's the commonality and between every person I've had on the show. Are. That's where we need to start. The, you know, every specialist, every scientist, every person I've had the fortunate honor of, of interviewing, that's the one thing we can all agree on, is that we can do better and we should do better as stewards. And so your yeah. feet are on the ground. We have to. Yeah. We, we, have to. we have to. Okay. It, it's, there's, just, there's just too many of us on this planet uh, to, to not do our part. Right. Um, I mean, you, you, did you ever think about it for a second? Where does all that garbage go? Right, right. Where, where, where do all these things that I'm being told are taken to recycling plants go? Uh, you know, uh, th- those answers aren't always clear to me. Right. Just like the Earth climate atmosphere system is not clear to me. So there's a lot of unanswered questions out there. We're all still learning. 
<laughs> and, and so you, you've got you've had your feet on the ground and continue to have your feet on the ground for people. So we've talked, we've spoken earth and, and atmosphere and all that. And but some of these things, some of these occurrences, when it has to do with weather and FEMA, I mean, you've obviously done public service announcements. You're you're the go-to for you know a, a lot of things when it comes to your voice. But you physically are on the ground when there's certain tragedies that tear families apart and all that. Share a little bit of what you've seen and maybe your role over the years in that in that sense. I mean, it's hard. You know, you 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 spend a couple of days on a beach and it's beautiful. It's sunny. The, there's hardly a wave out there, and then all of a sudden, in eight to eighteen hours, uh, the the place is forever changed. I mean, I'll I'll never forget how beautiful. Um, Mississippi was and is again, okay? I mean, it's not like it, it doesn't come back, but to see it torn up, to see those old antebellum homes on the, on the water just get run over by 30-foot seas, uh, that was just heartbreaking. To, to see boats in the middle of a second-story hotel, and of course, back in the day, before Katrina, all the casinos were on the water. That, that was how they made gambling okay right. in Mississippi. And so when you get a 30-foot storm surge and these barges float, they're going to lift and, and just be thrown into the mercy of the waves and the, and the wind. And, and so that's what happened. I mean, they just, just wrecked every one of them. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the Treasure Bay Casino right there in Biloxi. I was standing right in front of it. It's, out, it's like a big, you know, pirate ship out there, and then it's, uh, floating around, it's business as usual, and we're literally, you know, 30 hours before landfall. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon, and nobody was really doing anything. And I, I just, you know, I'm like, do, do people really have any idea what's about to happen here? I mean, 20, this is 25 foot of water at least coming in here. So, you know, this, this, so I started to point to some of these things, and I said, you see that landmark? It's not going to be there anymore. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the mayor of Biloxi got very upset with me. He came down. He goes, Tim, you know, you're kind of scaring us a little bit. I said, Mr. Mayor, with all due respect, I've, that, that's the point. Yes. We, we, we need to get busy. We need to get these people out of here. Right. Because this is a life or death situation. There you go. And that's where your job, and that's the thing that people, that's the behind the scenes stuff that people don't really get, is without you and Mosey's cases, weather, you know, for a lot of us seemed so foreign. It was always over there. Even when it was here, it was over there, you know, and, and people didn't really have a true sense of the magnitude of what could happen with so many different scenarios. And I think that what you've done and continue to do is bring a lot of that home. You make it clear that, you know, I, I remember watching a virtual video that was constructed with you in green screen, and it was very educational. And uh, it involved how icy roads and, you know, telephone poles and electric lines and all those things play into the safety of individuals and, and how the difference between staying inside or going outside can be a life or death situation during those times. Yeah. So I think I know what you're talking about. You're talking about our immersive mixed reality. We call it IMR for uh-huh. short. And what that is, so for, for the folks at home listening to us, Think about putting yourself in a, in a video game, <laughs> all right, where stuff's going on in the video game and you're actually playing a role in that video game, kind of mm-hmm. narrating and being in it uh, as you're out. And that's kind of what that was like. So yeah, it was spectacular. Yeah, we're, we're talking right? about really storm. Mm-hmm. We're showing people what the weight of ice does 
what it does to the roads, you know, how much it weighs, you know, those kind of things. And I, I think one of our best ones, you know, going back to hurricanes, was the one we do in Storm Surge, where, you know, before Florence, uh, and they had like, oh my goodness, 10 foot of storm surge in New Bern, North Carolina with Florence. We did this IMR where we, one of our on-camera people were standing in the street uh, with one foot, two foot, three foot, up to nine feet of storm surge. And so all of a sudden, you know, the people at home are looking at, you know, the most people's single story homes, all you're looking at is the roof. Mm. And so, you know, it, it was kind of like, you know, the, the ocean being separated and, and, and Jesus walking across the ocean here, but with, with no with water on both sides, but you could see what the storm surge was doing around. And, and I think that paints a really good picture as to why, you know, we ask people to get out of the storm surge zones. And it's because of that kind of a water rise. You know, I mean, 10 feet, let's say, that, that's most everybody's first story. And if you're forecasting a 10-foot storm surge and you don't have a two-story home and you stay, you will be spending time on the top of your roof. Right, right. Okay, and, and that's just not where you or your family needs to be. So, you know, storm surge has been and uh, will continue to be, I, I think, um, the number one killer in a, in a land-falling uh, tropical system. Right, and during the, but the, the winter... But technology gives us a way to to show people, you know, just how exactly, how, how bad these things can be. Right. And that's, yeah, I, I learned so much. And, you know, giving people scenarios, because, you know, during the winter, so much of the United States uh, is, is in, you know, involved with snow and ice. And just the ice component, I remember learning how much that can affect people when they don't stay inside, you know, when they insist on trying to still, you know, uh, take transportation to work or what have you, and, and all of the many obstacles that can really cause some serious damage. So, um, I, I think one of the, one of the mistakes people make in ice is that they think the roads are just wet. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of times I'll say, Hey, look, you know, make sure you look at your car thermometer, right? Because if, if it says 28 out there and the road just looks wet, I'm going to tell you right now with a good deal of confidence, there's ice on that road, right? There's, uh, there's likely ice on that road, especially on bridges and overpasses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those, those kind of little tips you can give people, um, or just something they can do. They can, they can kind of be their own little forecaster yep. by just doing those kind of little things. Because heavy objects slide and slide fast. <laughs> Oof. If you've ever been in a flat spin, which growing up in Vermont, I can tell you I have, uh, in an automobile, and not knowing if you're going to wind up on the other side of the guardrail down in the ravine or lucky enough to stay in the road, which is what I was, thank good. I don't even know how. But, I, you know, we went, we went two, three, four spins and uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's the scariest thing in the world because we just didn't really anticipate the ice. But sure enough, yeah, you know, you, it, roads that look wet can be very icy, especially in the middle of winter. Now, there's some unique uh, beauty to be found in some of these weather situations that you've uh, not only prided yourself in being involved with, but see, it, but showing us these these scenarios. And I think one of them involves lightning in the midst of a snowstorm. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a little bit. Okay, you can't take all the kid out of Cantori. Granted, no. I've, I've been a much more responsible broadcaster and and one with purpose over the years. But there's just something about having all of that power go on right over the top of you. Um, and when you get thunder and lightning in the middle of a snowstorm, 
it's just, I don't know, man. It, 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 I just go nuts. It's like I won the lottery or something. I, I've it, seen it. it. I've, I've watched it where it, you get it, so excited, especially when it happens more than once. And you've gone into battle, what, not battle, but where you're in competition, I should say, with uh, another one of your you know, huh. colleagues <laughs> trying to achieve. Absolutely, yeah. So, so that was the, the winner of, uh, I think, 2014, 2015. Reynolds Wolf was in Boston. He replaced me there. I'd been there all winter. Covering, we had 108 inches of snow. And so they're like, Jim, what do you say you get down to Plymouth? Because I think the wind's going to be a little bit strong there. And so I was kind of laughing at my, my, my boss is saying, what's the difference between 45 and 55 miles an hour at four o'clock in the morning? I mean, it's still horizontal snow. You're not going to really know the difference. But I'm like, you know what? I said to my producer, Steve Petterack, I said, Steve, let's, let's go. I mean, that's going to change the scenery. They're right. I've been in Boston for the whole winter. So we go down there. Reynolds takes over for me in Boston at the same spot I was at and would have been at if I didn't leave. And so I, at about 5 o'clock in the morning, I see him get thundersnow. And so I flip out. <laughs> like, You've got to be kidding me. That's where I was. Thundersnow is mine. You can't have it. I, I should have been there. That's so I was, I was so demoralized. I was so crushed that I like, put my face flat down in the snow and I just lay there and, and I was depressed and sad. And, I mean, like a little kid who didn't get something, to, you know, a toy or, or something that he wanted. Yeah. So anyway, about 13 minutes later, I'm standing there. I'm still disgusted and demoralized and, and down. And all of a sudden, we got the flash and we got the thunder. And, and I just went nuts. Mm. So I, I went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. And then we got it again. And then we got it again and again. And I, I mean, the rest is history. Oh um, boy, Thunder Snow with Jim Cantore. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, and it, it, but there's, just, you know, it's good to know the backstory. Yeah, because yeah. anybody who's just watching that is probably like, "What in the heck?" Right. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He needs professional help, right. and that may be true anyway. But the point, but but you got to know that seeing Reynolds get it first in the spot that I was at was what, what brought me down and then to get it afterward and get it and get it and get is what gave me that just ridiculous reaction. Oh boy. Well, this has been tremendous and I could talk with you so much more and, uh, and I'm sure our listeners have just enjoyed the show tremendously. Um, you know, Jim Cantori on air, on camera, meteor- meteorologist and co-host of AMHQ. You can see him on the Weather Channel, uh, on Today, on, 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 and probably, you know, once in a while in, in a town near you where he's brought in to speak and <laughs> share and, <laughs> and then help us all become more aware and, and bring us all together in some of our most uh, terrifying times and give us hope. And we thank you for just your dedication of years of doing this. And, um, and uh, you know, I appreciate your time today. Mr. Cantori. Yeah, my, my pleasure, man. You know, when, when weather hits you hard, don't give up. There's, there's a great human spirit, and, and that's, what, that's, what, that's what I'll leave you with. Uh, just, just keep on going. You'll get through it, I promise. All right. This has been another Maximum Health Quality Living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. See you next time. The sun itself is colorblind To the light but it now somehow I watch it pass as a ride